1 Corinthians chapter 14. They'll get this sound fixed in a minute. I'm sure of it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 14. This is, I want to be brief, obviously, and um, in some ways, the Sunday school lesson I began with the young people some time ago, and I'm going to conclude it with our young people. In some ways, you get to listen in on it. 1 Corinthians 14 is a very lengthy and a very uh, helpful chapter on the subject of tongues. And we're talking, of course, about spiritual tongues, about miraculous tongues, which, of course, the church at Corinth abused and misused. And for the most part, it's a very strong rebuke. In fact, it's really a takedown by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Any Christian, any church that hears and heeds the instructions on this matter, on the matter of tongues, from this one chapter alone, as far as I'm concerned, if they believe it and follow it, they will never fall prey to the modern Corinthians who insist that you ha- they have something that you don't have. What will happen if you understand this text is you will be humbled by it, I think, and convicted by it. You do understand that these carnal believers were incredibly puffed up. They a spiritual superiority in their hearts and their minds about how much better they were than other believers who didn't have the gift of tongues. And it's why the beginning of verse 20 is such, again, such a smackdown to me. It says, brethren, be not children in understanding. In other words, Paul says, stop having the mind of a child. Stop, he says, with these childish arguments that are rooted in selfishness and myopia. Grow up, is what he's saying. He says it more than once. But then he also says this, verse 20 again, brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit, in malice, be Ye children. Well, that's interesting. Long before it became a popular idiom, Paul said that believers should be childlike, but not childish. Childlike is a virtue. Childish is a vice that nobody likes. I mean, ask any girl or any young lady in this room, do you pray for a husband to be childish or childlike? One of them's foolish, the other one's endearing. And if you're here tonight and you don't know the difference between the two, I want you to take note in the Bible, again, very briefly, how our Lord shows us the difference. And if it's in the Bible, then it must be important for us. In what way is it good to be childlike? Always. Well, think for a minute about that remarkable prophecy back in Zechariah. You don't have to turn there, but Zechariah, as you know, is specifically... a a prophetic vision of what the kingdom age, the literal kingdom on this earth someday, is going to be like, and for a thousand years. And of course, it describes the presence of God in Jerusalem, the triumph of truth and justice. Jesus said that you can just say so much as, thou fool, and those who do not know the Lord are in danger danger of hellfire. And one of the things that's noted in this text about the kingdom that is real, that is literal, one of the things that the Bible says is marvelous in God's eyes, because that's what it says in that chapter, is these words. It says, And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. Wow. 
I mean, when I was a little boy, my parents would always tell me not to play in the streets. Jimmy, don't go play in the streets. But here we're told that one of the hallmarks, think about this, one of the blessings of the kingdom of God is that the streets will be full. Filled with boys and girls, the Bible says, playing thereof. And you know, every time I read that promise when I'm going through my Bible reading it, it reminds me of what Jesus said more than once, of course, because we've preached on all of the texts in the Gospels. For instance, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 14, Jesus said, Suffer, allow the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Pastor, what's the kingdom of God like? You just saw a glimpse of it. Right up here on the stage. Why? How? What did Jesus mean by that? Jesus said in Luke 18, 17, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. In other words, the obvious and the important implication here is that little children, at least certain characteristics of little children, are actually virtues. They are actually qualities that should be admired and embraced throughout your entire life. Now, of course, I know throughout our lives we've been told, a lot of you young people in this room, teenagers in particular, you know, your friends and your family members are always telling you it's time to grow up. You're like so immature. Why don't you grow up? And it's true, we're supposed to obviously mature, we're supposed to increase in wisdom and in knowledge, the Bible says, and Paul deals with that right here in 1 Corinthians. But it's also true that as you mature, some of the characteristics of little children, you're supposed to simply add to those characteristics. In other words, you don't eliminate these childhood traits that are delineated in the Word of God. You embrace them. Remember how Peter taught about spiritual growth? Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and so it goes. Well, it was adding without taking away. That simple faith, that childlike faith that you had when you got saved, because that's the only kind of faith that you can't have to get saved, that's what Jesus said. He put a child on his knee, and he told his apostles, unless your faith becomes simple like this, which we'll explain in a moment, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You're not going to intellectually find out how to be saved. So you're supposed to add without eliminating that faith. And so our text says this. It says, it says brethren, be not children in understanding, but in malice, he says, be ye children. What do you mean by that? Well, think about it. If you know little children, we have, I had children, we had grandchildren. He meant that little children don't carry around the same kind of grudges and bitterness and anger of heart that adults do. So that of such is the kingdom of God. There are some qualities of little children that you ought never, ever to leave behind. As you get older, people talk about, oh, grouchy old man, grouchy old lady. It's not supposed to be that way. We have old people in our church, they're not grouchy at all. They're fun. They're sweet. They're childlike. For example, one of the, one of the really good traits of little children is joy. Zechariah prophesied, as we read a moment ago, that the streets are going to be full of boys and girls. And you know what they're doing in those streets? Well, they're backbiting and they're gossiping and they're scheming and they're protesting in the streets. 
No, it says they're playing in the streets. If you go on in that chapter, it goes on to say, and there will in that day be joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. That's the grown-ups it's talking about there. And they're also having fun. Why? Because it is not God's will, either now or in eternity, for His people to ever lose their joy. In fact, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. One of the things we know about little children is that they love to sing. We just saw it. We witnessed it. They love to sing. They hum. They sing. It's the, music is the language of the emotions. So they love to sing. Not just listen to music, you understand, teenagers, but make music. Why? Because what's in here comes out here, and that's joy. Joy in the heart of a child. And you know, beloved, it ought to be that whether you're 6 or 16 or 60 or 68, you never stop singing or playing or making music. It's always just a little disconcerting when, during the time when we're all singing hymns together, some believers just refuse to sing them. Just will not sing. They've hung their harps. You young people, some of you, I was asked when I was youth pastor many years ago, why don't young people sing much? I used, to, I used to preach and teach in Christian schools a lot in those days. Go to Christian school, Christian school, Christian school. And it was kind of a, a scandal in a way because this guy would get up there and try to lead him in singing. Great singing, young people. None of them sang. <laughs> and I remember one time a guy said, why don't our young people sing? And I said, well, because they don't have a song in their heart. Then here comes out here. And because somebody told them this lie that it ain't cool anymore to play and have fun and make music. That's for the professionals or whatever. Well, I got news. Sitting off in a corner, all sullen and serious and snippy and hunched over and whining about everything in life, that ain't cool either. What's so mature about that? I was teaching this theme in Sunday school not long ago. And I remember, I remember I mentioned to the teenagers, I said, you know, young people, have you ever noticed that kids don't walk from place to place? They skip. I mean, if you, had, if you took all these children and had them go from here to there, they're not going to like, it's not going to be like graduation. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> they're going to hop and jump and skip and run. And I said, why don't you do that again, you girls? And sure enough, that week, a couple of them were at Walmart somewhere, and they didn't walk or sulk to the door of Walmart from the car. They were skipping and leaping all the way. Skyda was one of them. I'm pretty sure if I remember the whole story yet. See, but it sounds goofy. I don't know. It sounds fun to me. Sounds better. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Woosters hopscotch down the aisle at church. <laughs> Although I'd pay money to watch (laughs) any Sunday. (laughs) I'm not saying they're physically skipping. But man, you know them, their heart still skips. There's joy in their heart and it's not gone. It's on their face. Children are known for their joy. They enjoy things. Take them to McDonald's and see how much they enjoy that. Not me. 
Second thing I want you to know is number two is that little children are known for their innocence. Hence the expression childlike innocence. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. That's a little child. In the last chapter of Romans, turn back, would you, just a few pages, if your Bible's in front of you, Romans 16. Children are known for their innocence. That's something you don't leave behind, or at least you shouldn't leave behind. Verse 19 says, For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good, but simple concerning evil. Simple. Why do we want to be so worldly wise? Why do we want to fill our minds with garbage that takes away that innocence? Children haven't yet filled their minds with all manner of corruption, rebellion, vice. In fact, think about this. Children, in some instances, aren't even allowed to do that by watching movies, for example, with a certain rating. Do you ever think about this? That movie's rated R. Why? Because we want to protect our children and their innocence from what's going to be shown. Well, why don't we want to protect our innocence? And our, and our minds from what our filth is going to be shown. Why? We don't want to defile the mind of a little one. We want to defile the mind of anyone? Any child of the living God? Which introduces a third characteristic to little children. And it's related to innocence, and that's simplicity. Now again, life is just not that complicated for a little child. And you know, that's exactly how it ought to be for a little child, and in some measure how it ought to remain for many of us as we grow older. How so, Pastor? I mean, I got responsibilities, and my toddler doesn't, but I have to go to work. I know. But I just want to remind you that Jesus said that the cares of this world, the cares of this world, and fretting about things that don't matter, the Bible talks about being entangled with the affairs of this life. The Bible condemns that. Condemns adding things. You know, Jesus said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There's enough problems and troubles and heartaches for one single day that why do you want to go out and get yesterday's and tomorrow's and just pile them on and complicate your life? You think about it. Here's a, here's a little child at age six, and he loses the front tooth, or she does. You know what they do? They show it off. Look, first thing you want to do is go to school, go to church, Sunday school. Look, they don't care. But then they become teenagers. And the slightest blemish, uh, I can't go to school. Take two days off school. I can't let my friends see this. See what? I look like Quasimodo. I got a third eye, it's terrible, eh. Losing the carefree, innocent simplicity of childhood is not a good thing. So don't. You say, well, people, don't worry about what people say. That brings us to the last characteristic of children. And it's one that we must never lose. And that, of course, is the faith of a child. 
Matter of fact, as you know tonight, it is a child's faith that Jesus pointed to in the very first place. Why? Because little children don't live in constant doubt and cynicism. Prove it to me. Little children don't constantly question their father or their mother. They inherently trust their father. KK did not say to her parents this morning, Dad, how's the family budget? Mom, I've been reading Wall Street indicators, and I'm really concerned about the economy. And by the way, Dad, I'm also concerned about my cholesterol. Can we get a physical? She didn't say that. She said, Daddy, where's the chocolate? That's what she said. Crystal's got it. I don't know what to said. You see, what Jesus taught the disciples is that in the same way that a child trusts his earthly father, in a perfect situation, in that same simple way, we're supposed to always trust our Heavenly Father. And if you're losing that, it's because you're reading the wrong things or watching the wrong things. Something's polluted your mind from that kind of simple faith. No Christian should live his life fretting, worrying, and especially over things they cannot control. So, if it's indicative of the kingdom of God. If God says, hey, listen, here's what the kingdom of God's going to be like for a thousand years. The street's going to be full of boys and girls playing. And there's going to be music and laughter and singing and cheerfulness, it says. And if a child, take, if a child comes to Jesus and Jesus takes the child and says, of such is the kingdom of God. And in malice, be ye children. Childlike faith. Childlike innocence, childlike simplicity, joy, forgiveness, childlike hopefulness that they have and submissiveness. So strong are the characteristics of little children that not only are they displayed in the millennial kingdom as we just read and noted. Jesus said that without it, you won't even go to the kingdom. Without that faith, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, let me just say this, and and we're going to close. There are people we all know. I was out visiting the other day, and someone said to me, we were talking about people who go on visitation and people who talk to people about the Lord, and someone said to me, man, this person just really knows how to visit. They just know how. And I thought to myself, no, no, that's not it at all. It's not that they know how to visit. It's that this person has, you know, sometimes people call it charisma, their, their personality is infectious. They just love life. They're just like a little child in a big, boy, big person's body. And they trust the Lord, and they sing to the Lord, and they have the joy of the Lord, and they don't fret about everything. And that's, that's, what, that's what we should strive for. Adding to our faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, temperance. And on it goes. Our heads are bowed, please, for just a moment. We're going to pray. I want you to think about your spiritual growth. And see, this, this, is, this is why this is a bit of a challenge. Because sometimes in our society we're told that growth and maturity equals just, just being 
grouchy, old, so-called serious. Without losing that infectiousness, there was a missionary that I had deep, deep respect for when I was in Bible college. I only saw him once in person in my young days. He went to the Philippines. The ministry he's still leading in the Philippines now for over 50 years is nothing less than a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. Anybody who's ever been in the Philippines knows of this ministry. And I remember looking at this man, and when I saw him at my, my college graduation, he just stood up there and he was so serious because they were heaping praise on him even as a young man, and I don't think he was comfortable with it. So he looked so serious, and I was watching him, and I thought, man, this, this guy, this man is like, like no playing around. Serious. I want to be like this guy. And then I lost touch with him, and he went off, and the ministry grew. And a year ago, I was talking to Dr. Sisk. And I said, Brother Sisk, you go there every year. And he said, yeah, this is the greatest mission ministry I've ever seen in my entire 60 years. I said, what's he like? He said, oh, my word. He's so much fun. He laughs. He sings. He's a prankster. He's a jokester. Destroyed my whole image of him. Actually, you know what it did? It enhanced it. It made me realize that you don't have to leave behind joy, simplicity, an innocent and a pure mind. You just add to that the knowledge of Christ. You add to that the seriousness of wanting to see lost souls come to Christ and the glory and the holiness of God. You add to it. Pastor, I'm saved tonight, but I needed the message. and In some measure, the Lord has spoken to my heart about something. Would you pray for me? Who would say that? Would you lift your hands to the building? And amen, and amen, and God bless you. To you young people in this room, all you young people, keep on singing. Just keep on singing to the Lord. You don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be in a praise band. You don't have to have voice lessons. Just keep singing from your heart. Keep enjoying life. Keep trusting your Father and start by trusting your parents. For all of us in this room, Let's show the joy of the Lord and the faith that we have in Him. Maybe here tonight you're not saved. Could we pray for you? I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I'm not sure that I'm saved tonight, that I'm a child of God, that I'm born again. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about that issue, many people raise their hands this morning on that. Who would say that? Could we just pray for you? Would you raise your hand if you're not sure about your own salvation? Anyone at all? All right. Brother Kevin is going to come. He's going to lead us. In just a couple verses of invitation, if the Lord is speaking to your heart about something, Brother Andy's here. It could be something God's been working in your heart for a while, maybe joining the church. Who knows? You can always speak with him or kneel at the altar. Brother Kevin will come. Father in heaven, bless this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these young people. Lord, thank you for reminding us that we should look at them as Jesus placed a little child, and the scripture says, in the midst of them. And said, of such is the kingdom of God, may we strive to understand what Jesus meant and then strive to emulate why Jesus meant that. Bless this invitation to that end in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.